It can be hard finding stylish glasses for your kids. Jonas Paul Eyewear makes it easy with risk-free trial kits delivered right to your door. And they're super affordable. Visit JonasPaulEyewear.com today and use promo code THELUCKYFEW to get 15% off your first order. Hey friends, welcome to the Lucky Few podcast where we are shifting the narrative by shouting the worth of people with Down syndrome. This is Heather, Mercedes, and Micah. And we are chatting today with the one, the only, Jen Jacob, who is a narrative shifter in every sense of the word. Jen saw a need for better conversations and more accurate information between doctors and patients when it comes to a Down syndrome diagnosis. So you know what she did? She did something about it, and she started an organization called Down Syndrome Diagnosis Network, also known as the DSDN, and DSDN is freaking crushing it. Mm-hmm. They're doing such incredible work um, within, commu- within our, our community, within our Down Syndrome community. They're teaching doctors to shout the worth of our little ones who have Down Syndrome and to give positive, true information to women who are facing a new diagnosis. And it gets me super fired up and I'm very passionate about her and what she's doing. So thankful she's here. So let's get this thing started, friends. Welcome to the Lucky Few Podcast. All right, ladies, I am so excited to have Jen Jacobs on today because you know that this stuff gets me super excited. But first, not only is it April Fool's Day, which we'll talk about, it is the birthday, the day that our lovely Mercedes (laughs) was born and came to the earth. We're so glad you were born. We're so glad you came to the earth. This is your birthday song. It's just You're welcome, everybody. (laughs) Happy birthday. God's gift. God's gift on April Fool's. <laughs> this woman right here. Oh my goodness. Oh, Mercedes, what are you doing for your birthday? Oh my we goodness. We are partying tonight. I know. Partying, family, food, gifts. Lots of Party gifts, party. right, Andy, yeah. our producer? <laughs> um, do, you love, yes. um, do you love words of affirmation? I love words for af- yeah. of affirmation. Oh, okay, everyone had it. Head over to Mercedes' Instagram and just leave a minimum of 30 comments because I think she turned 30 again today. I turned 30. Every year. (laughs) Every year from now on until I'm 60, I will be 30, and then I'll make the jump to 50. (laughs) There we go. Perfect. That's how that works. Um, We're so thankful that you were born. Thanks, girls. Happy birthday. Thanks for spending it with us. Yes. This little moment in time. And happy April Fools. Happy April Fools. What, do you guys do anything with yeah. your families for April Fools Day? Yeah. Is it like, a, yeah. d- like, does anybody, we always put, um, I guess we put pennies in my dad's shoes. I don't, that doesn't make sense. It's not a trick. <laughs> the pennies are flat. That's that just doesn't weird. hurt. Pennies are flat. <laughs> that doesn't hurt. Yeah. That's oh, it's funny. Um, when we were anything? going through infertility, and even today, I always want to, and I think I've done it a couple times, be like, 
oh my gosh, I'm pregnant. But it's not nice. Like it's really it's not, it's nice not funny. There was a season where it's like, no, that's not even funny. Oh my god. I goodness. think I could do it now and be like, hey, maybe I'm gonna do that. I love that. Hey, mom, dad, you'll never believe it. I love that and it's super I'm awkward because I just found out I'm pregnant. Awful. We don't want more kids and then oh you know, it's just mean. I'm not doing it. Now that I'm processing you, it. Now that like we're saying it. it. I'm not all about April Fool's jokes. Maybe because I just want people to focus on the most important part, yeah. which is my birthday. And like yes. to believe me that it's my birthday when I go out into the public and tell them it's my birthday. There's just so much selling for me that I just try not to encourage the April Fool's part. Yeah, that's, that's fair. So the worst thing I ever did for April Fool's, I was just an accomplice. I had a friend in my mom's group who wanted to pull the pregnancy trick on her husband. Oh, man. And so she, I was pregnant with Ace. I was very pregnant with Ace. So like eight months or something. Oh, no, he was born 10 days later. Yeah. So um, <laughs> we're, she was like, please, will you pee on the stick for me? And Oh, my gosh, stop it. I did. I peed on the <laughs> stick for her. <laughs> And she went out to dinner with her husband and she was like, honey, I'm pregnant. And, and she pulled out the pregnancy test and showed, showed it. Isn't that horrible? It's really funny. How, when did, how did that end? I want to know um, the ending. Well, I think that that's part of their relationship. They do really hard pranks, pranks on each other. So, and he was like, bought it you know totally so he was like i we can do this a fourth child you know we can make oh it gosh. and like was totally i can i cannot imagine pulling a prank like that on anybody maybe i'll do but, it with josh i feel like if i did it with my parents it would just be mean but maybe i'll have a friend i've got a lot of pregnant friends right now oh like a lot gosh. i'll pee on a stick i'll show josh because oh there's i'm about to go into too much info so oh my. we're gonna stop <laughs> Um, we are doing all we can to not have a, a fourth child. So that would be hilarious. I'm going to let you guys know okay. later today Fill if I later. do it or not. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But here's something that's not a joke. Everyone's like, wait, is Jen Jacob from DSN really on? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Bring her on. <laughs> not, we're not trying to, to trick you. Um, and we're very happy about that. I've, so I've said this before that I have this dream. Well, it's not a dream, like a vision for the future. That's a real vision where a woman gets in a diagnosis in a doctor's office and the doctor comes in and says, oh my gosh, congratulations. We just found out that your baby is going to have down syndrome. And then they're like, okay. And there's that little shock of it's different, but then there's like high fives and they walk out into the waiting room and there's all these moms there or families waiting to go back. And they're like, why are they so excited? And they say, oh my gosh, we're going to get a kid with down syndrome. And then they're like, that's not fair. I want a kid with Down syndrome. And I used to <laughs> say this. I used to not share this a lot, um, partly because I've adopted and my, my diagnosis experience is different. But I just fully own my love for Down syndrome now. I have no shame in that space. And I can also tenderly hold where other women are at mm-hmm. with grace. Um, but that is still a dream of mine that people will walk at. And be like, wait, but I want a kid with Down syndrome. That's not fair. I hope that the doctor tells me that. And I think we're a ways away from that. But um, I feel like what Jen is doing and what DSTN is doing is they are creating truthful 
well, truth around a diagnosis, right? Like accurate information. So when a woman does talk to her doctor, it's not like those, we hear horror stories all the time. People have told them on this podcast. Um, and so I'm thankful for the work that she's doing to shift the narrative in a doctor's office where people get that very first word about their child's diagnosis often. But before we bring her on, I would like to talk to you, Micah, tell us your experience. Um, cause Mercedes and I have different experiences because we didn't have a doctor tell us that our child has Down syndrome. Yeah. You know, I, um, I had had friends who had gotten the early testing, you know, um, that is not very accurate, the very early. And I think it's changed a little bit, but, mm-hmm. um, so I, I had my first baby when I was 29 and it was, I just had decided I'm not even going to do any testing. I don't want the anxiety because the friends who had had that early kind of testing had been like just overwhelmed with fear. And then, you know, it had turned out to not be very accurate and it had just kind of put this like tumultuous season of their pregnancy into their story that didn't need to be there. And so I just had always opted out of it. And when I was pregnant with Ace, I was 35. Um, and I, I still was like, ah, you know, I'm not going to do that. So when I came in for my 20 week ultrasound, they found one marker. Um, and that marker for down syndrome was, um, calcium deposit in his heart. And that had been also the doctor said, Oh, so this basically means with your age and with the fact that lots of babies have calcium deposits in their heart and it just kind of goes away eventually. Like it's just a one in 470, you know, six chance or something like that. Um, and I'm, I'm one to worry about a lot of things, but I'm not a worrier, um, about things like that. I just really was like, okay, like Mm -hmm. this is not happening. Um, I'm, like that it's a very small percentage. Chris and I decided, okay, well we'll do that this newfangled blood t- blood test and I'm sure that somebody knows the name of that blood test. <laughs> I'm sure, sure have, Jen will ask Jen, Jen when she comes on. She knows it. Um so I did that and um and then three weeks later and I didn't really share with anybody that we had taken this blood test or that there had been any kind of marker. Cause I honestly, I didn't feel like I needed to because I wasn't feeling overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I was so not overwhelmed that when, uh, when the call came from the geneticist, I took it while I was by myself walking my kid to gymnastics. I was like, let's just get this over with and I can like mark, check that off the list. And so, um, I don't have a lot of memories of her tone on the phone. Um, or really what she said to me, because, Mm. you know, as soon as she said it was positive, at first I was like, positive, positive, positive. Like, what does positive mean? Mm. Yeah. You know, you know, you just kind of get in this jumble of like, I don't, I don't understand what she's saying. Um, And then, you know, I've written about this. I feel, I remember that moment and I'm pushing the stroller. Hmm. um, And I just felt like the sky slammed in. I felt like this like tunnel just landed over me. And, um, And so everything she said as I pushed that stroller was like, I, you know, it's totally a blur. Um, all I know is I, 
like, you know, she was like, do you want to talk about termination? I remember something like that. And I was like, no, that's not an option. And, and then, then it was kind of over and I was at gymnastics Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, and like taking my kids shoes off and, um, and we, you know, just kind of, um, dealing with this, and, and all the things that came with it, um, which I've shared a little bit about before. But uh, so that, and, and then I went from that into my next OBGYN appointment mm-hmm. and had, um, and I was very tender. I don't know how long it was between those two things, but I couldn't talk to her about it without crying. And I think she was really, I think it, there was one part of her that was like, you know, are you sure you're okay? Like, are you sure? You're, like, there was still um, some some push for me, like that she was pushing a little towards um, termination, and I I was shutting that down while still being just like I not holding it together. Yeah. So um, I don't think that there was. Um, you know, I think she cared about me, but I don't think she had experience in this. Um, and so she was like, here, let me give you the name of a therapist. And I was like, thank you. And but that was kind of what it came down to. Yeah. And um, and so there was uh, I think about the things like I, you know, it's not a horror story at all. People were compassionate towards me. They were kind in the way they spoke. But there was also no um, words of hope. There was no, like, honoring of my decision. Um, it was like, we're kind of scared for you. Okay. Like, yeah. that's interesting that you're going to keep this baby. Okay. Well, here's, you know, let us know f- what to do. <laughs> so I think that was a little bit like that, um, yeah. if that makes sense. It so, does. What do, you, what do you wish doctors would have said? Um, I wish, I wish that they would have talked about possibilities, Mm. hopes. I wish they would have had a list of people in this city who have children with Down syndrome. I wish they would have given me a name of a support group. I wish that I, um, like, I wish she hadn't been so stunned. She was like a, you know, a deer in headlights, like not knowing what to do with me. Hmm. Um, and, um, yeah, I think information and connections would have been the best thing, but also it would have been amazing for me to hear like, you're going to love your baby. Hmm. Your baby is, you're going to have a wonderful life with your baby. This is a big shock. I know, but, um, like this is going to be a a wonderful life. And, um, I think doctors have a lot to learn in terms of that stuff. Hmm. A lot of them and do. you know who we have to teach them. <laughs> <laughs> so, girls, we have someone to do just that, Jen. You guys, she's amazing. So let's get to it. Jen Jacob is a former educator and professional development leader and is the co-founder of the Down Syndrome Diagnosis Network. She is also the author of two books, the co-author of two books, The Parent's Guide to Down Syndrome and the book unexpected stories of a down syndrome diagnosis we are so happy she's here welcome to the lucky few podcast jen thank you hi jen yay Woo-hoo. Jen is here we are so glad that you're here okay 
we're just gonna go for it. Here we go. Jen, will you tell us a little bit about your story um, about becoming the mom to a kid with Down syndrome? Sure, absolutely. And this is a interesting time and space of just the seasons of life, how it all goes. So um, Owen was actually born about six years ago. And so we, he, I was just turning the magical 35 right after I found out I was pregnant mm -hmm. and kind of in that space. So, you know, we, uh, he was number four for us. And I uh, went to our anatomy scan actually alone that day because my husband ended up having an appointment and I was just dying to know whether we were going to be having our third boy or another girl to kind of even out life a little bit at our house. And so, um, he had to cancel and I said, that's okay. I'm still going to my appointment because I need to know what's going on. So I went that day. Um, I had been having a lot of more concerns about preterm labor. Our first was born really early and I had preterm labor with all the other ones. So when I went to that appointment, I was really most concerned about my cervix and how everything was going there. Like everything else was kind of background. I wasn't too worried. Got in there. You know, the ultrasound took forever. It felt like that day. They, she just had me get into weird positions and I didn't know what was going on. And it took forever for my doctor to come in to talk to me. And when he finally did, he'd been through lots of stuff with us, pregnancy loss, preterm labor. And he just, his eyes, as soon as I looked at him, I knew something was up. Mm. And I just remember having this kind of surreal moment where, you know, he said, uh, these are really difficult ultrasounds to go over. And I just mm. remember thinking, okay, I was in there. I saw the heartbeat. I saw fingers and toes. I saw things moving. Like, what did I miss? And um, he talked about that we had one marker that it wasn't, there was no nasal bone detected. And that was kind of one of the newer markers for Down syndrome at that point. And so, and he said, you know, that could be for a trisomy or something like Down syndrome. And I thought, okay, uh, I had no experience with Down syndrome at all. And so then my brain starts going to just everything bad that could happen sure. and everything that I knew my head actually space went to more like, gosh, how was he going to be treated? Like that was mm. really the thing that bothered me. Um, you know, I left that day, went to the perinatologist a few days later, talked to them. They did some more testing, more scans. Um, we ended up doing the new, um, non-invasive test. I think that Micah was talking about as well. One of those. And, yes. um, that came back, um, as a positive screen eight days later for down syndrome. And so at that point, you know, I didn't want to do an amnio. So we just moved forward as though he'd have down syndrome. And I, I was kind of the same that day, um, I, I had been Googling like crazy at that point, And mm. I just really thought in my heart, okay, this is what's happening. And mm -hmm. we're just going to go for it. When she told us, I just, she called me on the phone as well. And I just, you know, I was playing outside with my kids, came in and took the call, um, beautiful sunny day. And I just remember sitting on the phone, just tears falling because I finally had an answer. I felt real, just relief at that point because I'd been so worked up that last week. Um, Googling and searching and trying to figure out the answer myself. And, um, and at that point too, I didn't even really know what those new tests meant. I didn't realize it was really just a screen. I thought that that was like an official diagnosis yeah. at that point. Yeah. Um, so that was kind of my strange part of the story. Now I just know more about that, but, um, you know, he was, great then. They did tons of additional testing for us and monitoring. And then he was born at about 39 weeks and was in the NICU for a couple of days. And then we were on our home and ready to go. Hmm. There you go. And so you, you wrote a book for new parents with a Down syndrome diagnosis, Jen. And, and I'm wondering about those early days of fear and confusion. Um, like I, 
what if anything like was were, were there books or a website or Facebook that was a lifeline for you whether it's that's when you had the prenatal diagnosis or after Owen was born um, what did you cling to yeah my go-to was baby center there was a down syndrome board mm-hmm. on baby center that came that seemed to be the only thing that came up when I was searching everything, especially about the nasal bone, because I think I Googled pictures of no nasal bone and Down syndrome about a million times. I would love to see my search history, honestly, now to see (laughs) how wacky I really was during those days. But um, that came up and I got connected with some just amazing other women. Um, One of who I still talk to now quite a bit, um, Joel from Australia. We were pregnant at the same time and um, just trying to kind of figure things out and getting connected with that. That really helped me the most. And um, I did start getting connected to some people locally, but I just really wasn't ready for that quite yet. I Mm -hmm. was still kind of, I think, in a space too where I was thinking, okay, this is, you know, 99% or whatever they told me. Maybe I'm in that 1% still. You know, I think I still clung to a little bit of that during my pregnancy even. Yeah. And, and so when you had that as like you were going to baby center and as you look back at that, especially as you were writing this book, um, for these parents who are just getting a diagnosis, what did you, what were you thinking about that you wanted to say to these new parents that you wish someone had said to you? Oh my gosh. I just hope everybody hears like, take a deep breath, whatever you're feeling, I guarantee you somebody else is feeling somewhere at that exact moment because we all it doesn't matter how you feel, I think, after that new diagnosis, but everybody is feeling something and someone else is feeling it too. And just that comfort of knowing that you weren't alone on this. And I think is the most important thing that people need to hear and that whatever they're feeling is okay. Honor Mm -hmm. that feeling. Mm -hmm. It is what you feel. And you may feel that way again in a month. You may feel that way again in a year, or you may feel completely different. So just honoring that going through the process that they need to, and knowing that there are so many people and resources out there for them. It's it's just truly incredible in this community. And I know you guys know that too. It's mm-hmm. just something I never would have imagined. And I think mm-hmm. we do have a special kind of link with that in the Down syndrome community that people are just so willing to share their stories and talk with people and let you know that you are along that same ride with them and yeah. you're going to be okay. And whatever you're feeling, it's okay. Mm-hmm. I love it. Will you explain to us how you came to co-start DSDN and um, what was the timeline after your child's birth? Yeah, you know, thinking about this a lot now as we're reaching our like six year mark is kind of crazy to me. So Owen was, I was on Baby Center a ton when I was pregnant and then Owen was born and, you know, things were okay. I was, I had already had three kids. I thought I knew what was going on, but there were just things that were different and I couldn't Mm -hmm. figure out if it was like a Down syndrome thing or just an Owen thing. And that Baby Center board was awesome, but it was also people with like, people were talking about issues they had with their teenagers on it or, you know, other things that I was like, okay, It was a little bit much for me still. Like I'm a person that kind of needs to live in the moment. Yeah. So I was, I just (laughs) sent out an all call there and I said, you know, does anybody else that just had a baby want to talk? Like, let's create like a little Facebook group and talk there. And so, um, we did, we had 150 moms that started with us from all over the world. That's still huge. Yeah. It was a small group. Yeah. It was pretty big, but small at the same time. And, you know, (laughs) and that, that was when it's our anniversary in February was just when 
then it will be six years. So, you know, Owen was just a few weeks old. We started, we started talking and, you know, it's amazing when you start women talking about things that they're going through. And, you know, I had had a very kind of benign diagnostics experience, same thing. I didn't really have it. It wasn't great or it wasn't poor, but like right. hearing some of the stories these women were sharing mm-hmm. about their diagnosis, whether it was prenatal or birth, I mean, it yeah. was just so raw and amazing to hear the things that they were saying. And I mean, hugely eye-opening for me. And shortly after we kind of started really all talking and in, in that Facebook group and just people sharing their hearts, it was like, wow, we need to make sure that other moms and dads know when they're joining mm-hmm. this journey, if they're coming in at some of those same points, like it's going to be okay. And other people had these terrible conversations or ideas or thoughts, you know, it's sometimes you're just thinking things that you never thought you would during this journey. And it was, um, we started, so we started doing, collecting the stories for unexpected. And our whole goal was that is that it just would be an online resource that anybody could pick up anytime. If, you know, if they were sitting with a new birth diagnosis in the hospital and, you know, nowhere to search, they weren't even sure what to do that. Hopefully they could read it and find Mm -hmm. some stories that they could feel a little hopeful to know that all the thoughts they were having were okay. And somebody else thought that too. And here's how that family moved forward after that experience. Um, but so we started that book and then after we got into that book more and starting to hear all of the stories that people were telling us, I mean, it was almost unbelievable. Some of the things doctors were telling Mm. parents, um, Heather Bradley, one of the other moms in our first group, she just called me one day and she's like, Jen, like, we have to do something. Like, what do you think about starting a nonprofit that we would really just focus on that diagnosis Mm -hmm. time? And I'm like, sure, lady, I've never met in real life. (laughs) What else do we have going on? I mean, yeah, yeah, nothing else to do. So let's do it. And I mean, she just had, she had great vision for what it could look like. If Heather had not said that, like we, I would just still be doing Facebook groups, which would be Mm -hmm. fine and great. But, you know, I mean, it's just become so, something so much more amazing than I ever imagined it could. How, it really, how old was, I'm sorry. No, go um, ahead, Micah. Yeah, I was just going to say, how old was Owen at that point? Like, how far along in the journey were you? So uh, he was six weeks old when I started the first Facebook group. And then um, we launched officially as an organization in 2014. So he, they, the kids were like a year and a half. Wow. That's amazing. So that I was going to ask you, like, how did you go from mom to a child with Down syndrome to a Down syndrome advocate? But you basically explained that. But at what point in that journey and that transition did you realize like, oh, okay, I am an advocate in this space in a way that's bigger than, you know, stepping into schools or whatever it is. Like at what point were you like, okay, this is happening. This is bigger than me. You know what? Honestly, it always makes me giggle when people ask, like, how did you become an advocate? I don't, you know, I feel like when you, you just become a parent in general, like you just have a sense of something bigger than yourself and like you just do whatever your kid needs in whatever way. And so, you know, the advocacy piece, it it makes me giggle like, yes, I'm a Down syndrome advocate. Yes, (laughs) I am. But, you know, I think it was just following that path. And I think when they reached out about writing the second book about the writing the parent guide, I thought, oh my gosh, somebody really wants me to share about what we've been doing. Like, okay, that, you know, it's, it's beyond these Facebook groups now. It's Mm -hmm. really reaching more people. So I would say personally, that's when I probably really felt more like an advocate that I was really reaching people outside of our little bubble. 
Yeah. 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 So our emphasis this season, Jen, is talking to people who have embraced advocacy in their spaces and helping our listeners think about how um, no matter how big our platform or our, our followers or whatever we think our talents are, like we have spaces where we can all shout the worth of people with Down syndrome. And, um, and I think I'm wondering what you would say to, um, you know, any mom out there listening who is like, how do I even start? How do I even see the need around me to be that advocate, to be that shouter of worth? You were able to like look up and see a need. Why do you think that is? What do you, what did you you know, I think it's just really like reaching those needs when you see them happening and, and knowing that you can start something small and it yeah. can become whatever. I think it's even in your communities, who can you reach out to to just help somebody better understand what's going on in your journey and helping them understand that maybe it's not even that different than their life journey. You know, they might not be raising a child with Down syndrome, but they might, you know, be doing something on some other level that mm-hmm. just finds a way to help empower them. Like, I think that's been the most incredible part of this now that we are so, you know, so many years into this journey and we're serving almost 9,000 families now. It's been just awesome to see all of these newer families coming in and also starting things locally or starting things online or, you know, doing things where they also feel like they can, they feel empowered because they are maybe approaching the journey better than they would have if they hadn't had all that support and connection at the beginning. Um, It's just been amazing to see and them finding, you know, we had a message from a mom the other day that she just said, oh my gosh, like, I didn't realize how much you guys were doing on the diagnosis side. Like, I want to help with this, but like, how can we help locally? What can we do? And helping people understand like what parts they can do that it can just be one really strong voice all together and really make this impact and mm. empower things. It's just, it's been incredible. I think on that sense mm-hmm. to help everybody see how all of our voices together will make huge differences mm-hmm. in this time and season for families. Yep. Amen. Jen, this is a big question, but what's your vision for the DSDN? You know, I think our vision, we have, we have so many conversations now about this and our vision is truly just to always make sure that that diagnosis conversation is going well for families and that every single family through whatever way that they're getting that diagnosis is always getting that accurate, good information, resources, locally, online, whatever makes sense for them. And, you know, I think when we get to the point that that's happening for every parent, when they get a new diagnosis, then maybe we'll look at, you know, other big things that DS can, Dan can do. But, you know, I, I feel like it's just going to be the part that we is going to take a little bit of time. That's, Mm -hmm. I think the thing that was most surprising to us that I'm like, wow, we're five years in and we're finally now we're big enough and we're widespread enough that we're just having amazing conversation with medical providers on really huge levels now, but that took time to develop and Mm -hmm. those relationships and establish, but gosh, you know, now we're just at that point and, and that we have all of our networks of families that can now reach out to those other new families and help them find the right connections that they need, whether it's locally or online, whatever they need to help get through those first diagnosis moments. That's our, just our vision for all of this. I love that. 
So when a mom with a new diagnosis shows up at the site, what do you hope she finds there? I hope that maybe she, or if it's dad too, whoever yep, it is, dad. I hope that I hope that they just take a little breath and that they hear the word congratulations. They see that they're going to be okay. That they see that other people are feeling the same way they are, and whatever they're thinking and feeling is okay. And here are some ways that they can figure out, you know, if they're looking for resources, here's some great places where they can go for information. If they're looking for connections, here's places they can go for that. But really just a space where they can go and find whatever they need to just start walking down that path of moving forward after Mm -hmm. the diagnosis. That's my Mm -hmm. goal for them. Mm. One of the things I love most on your site is the video. Um, I, and I don't know how long it's been up there, but I heard, um, I heard Michelle Sullivan's interview with you on Advocate Like a Mother. Um, uh, and, and, yeah, we love Advocate we Like love a Mother. We love Advocate Like a Mother. Michelle. Um, <laughs> we love Michelle. <laughs> um, but we, so there's, in this video, and I don't know what the name of the video is, there are quotes from, from doctors to new parents with a Down syndrome diagnosis. And it is beautiful. Mm-hmm. It is like just the way that you guys made that video, I get tears in my eyes every time I see it. Um, I'm wondering, Mercedes and Heather, um, you guys saw it. What, what stood out to you in that video? So there's a quote there's, that says, you will love her and she will be perfectly her, which is hard to say without crying. And I, I love that quote because, I mean, it's truth and... I feel that it is applicable for me now with Mason um, or August, like that, not that you will love her, but that she will be perfectly her. I Mm. think that down the road, I'm constantly having to remind myself of that when there's, even when we're talking with people in the Down syndrome community who have a child the same age as Mason, who's doing far and beyond what Mason is doing right now in her life. And it's like, but wait, she is perfectly her. Mm. Um, And just to carry that with me always, like she is perfectly her exactly as she is. And I feel like that's also things I'm always trying to tell my listener or my followers to like, your child is exactly who they need to be. But to hear that from the beginning, right? Like you will love her and she is perfectly her. (laughs) Can you imagine? Can you imagine a doctor saying that? I, my favorite is, um, there's a quote that the doctor says the only limitations he'll have are the ones mm-hmm. we set for him. So make sure not to set any. Yep. And good gracious. It's so yes. interesting. Um, I, so Mason is 10 and DSN didn't exist when Macy was born. And so there was a, and Instagram didn't exist. Like there's a lot that didn't exist. So there was a lot of like scrambling and figuring out. Um, and then by the time August came around, you know, he's five there, I had not heard of DSDN until two years ago because I just was, by then, I didn't need that community because in the five years that before August came, I had created a really strong sense of community. And then I found out about you guys. I'm like, whoa, this is so freaking amazing. Um, and I'm losing my train of thought. I had somewhere really great to go with this. The about uh, expectations, the limitations. Mm-hmm. Oh, the limitations. Yes. Thank you for bringing that back. So this, so that is also a concept that while it feels like every parent should think that way about their child. And as much as I am like pro down syndrome, love Mason, all that she is, I limited her. And here's an example. 
sorry about this little tangent, but it feels appropriate. We were watching, both of our kids are doing so happy to learn with Mrs. Terry Brown, who was on um, our season two podcast. And they're doing this reading thing. And August, who's five, gets out this book he's been working on with Terry Brown. And he reads the whole book. And it's, I see a lion or whatever. There's a picture, right? So he's being guided by pictures, but that's part of the reading process. And he's, I see a kid. I see the girl. And he's reading the whole book. Um, Better than Mason is as a 10-year-old. But when Mason was five... It did not even cross my mind that she could read. It wasn't even in my... I mean, I remember her being in kindergarten, and it was like, oh, yeah, she doesn't read. Um, and so I, like, placing that limitation on her mm. because no one had told me not to, even though I was so fine with Down syndrome. You know what I mean? And there just weren't all the resources that there are now where people are just constantly in your ears, hopefully, if you've gotten a diagnosis of, like, your kid can, your kid is able, your kid can, your kid is able. And I just wish I hadn't done that in the mm. past. So thank you for letting me have therapy session there. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I'm, I just appreciate you saying that, it. Heather. I do too. I, I feel like that's, I mean, I, I'm around like this community all the time and I have those words of affirmation and I still saw that in the video and was like, how am I limiting an ace? Mm-hmm. I am. I know I am. Mm-hmm. And, um, I think that there's, it, it is something that we have to check in ourselves. It, even just, you know, i have been talking to friends about where ACE is at with speech and my mm-hmm. concerns. And, um, his, his teacher was asking me, well, at home, how does he communicate what he wants? And I was like, he's the baby. Mm-hmm. He just goes, ah, and somebody sticks <laughs> water in his face, you know, like <laughs> my, in the car, his big brother will just like grab his water bottle and hold it up for him. Everybody will do anything yeah. for him because he's, he's our favorite. I mean, he's like everybody's favorite, right? My other kids too. We all are just desperately in love with him. But even in the way that we like, don't ask things of him that we would have asked of our older boys because they weren't the babies or, you know, whatever. Right. Um, there is that limitation that we put on him. Yeah. And I, and I love what DSDN is doing, what you guys are doing, Jen, because your start, like your goal is to be at that, the first words that come, that people hear, right. When they're finding out they have a child with down syndrome are words of, of hope and possibility and allowing women to feel how they're going to feel, you know, like not shaming someone. So it's the both and right. Mm -hmm. We're going to, we're going to offer and introduce hope and encouragement and you can feel really upset and sad right now. And you're going to hold them both and we're going to hold them with you. Um, Mm. And you guys are doing that so well. And it's just a resource that really does have the power to shift the narrative and is, you know, like really, really is shifting the narrative. And that's why that video makes me cry. And I can't even talk about it (laughs) without getting choked up because it's the dream. Right. Um, And for truth to be communicated with care and honesty. And so, Jen, how can we help you? do this work. We, as in the Lucky View podcast, but we can talk about that off air too. And then, um, <laughs> we, the Down syndrome community, like what can we do to help you with this work? Yeah. I, I think parents are so powerful in this and I, I, and I think we all want to, you know, do better, especially for those parents coming after us, especially dependent on about how our diagnosis conversation went. And I know it's different in the adoption community that way too, but you know, I, I've even heard interesting stories that way about mm-hmm. potential things. You know, that's a whole different show too, right. but the, you know, the, the conversations and just being able to provide those resources to people right at, 
right on site and right at the moment that they need them. So we really encourage parents to make sure that their medical providers know about those diagnosis guidelines, that they know, you know, that there are people who've been putting a lot of thought into this over the last years about what that looks like, especially now as this new testing is coming and mm-hmm. becoming so much more prevalent, like that's not going away. So how can we make sure that our medical providers have really good resources and information to give to those new patients as that's coming along? I I think that's just key. And we have resources that we have um, kind of started to cultivate online, some that we haven't even created because there are so many amazing things out there. Like it's not important for us to create that stuff, but just to get it into the right hand. So um, getting, you know, there's diagnosis cards on there. There's things that you can go in and order on our website that you can give to your medical providers. Um, Parents connecting with their local organizations is so critical as well Mm -hmm. because that can help. You know, people, um, I think, for a while thought that we as DSDN, as our national org, are going to come into, like, their communities and help them do this work. And, you know, th- that's just, it's not possible because it's yeah. such an important piece of the puzzle that has to be, you know, relationships cultivated and mm-hmm. created over time and keep continually to be connecting with those people. So parents and local organizations are doing that at, the, at different levels everywhere and helping them all really do that well so that way every medical provider as they're providing that new diagnosis to somebody has all these local national resources connections right there at their fingertips. The challenging thing I think is that we all have to remember as parents is even though we've gone through this experience, our medical providers might not be doing this very often at all. You know, Mm -hmm. it might only be one or two as we've gone to more medical conferences now and talking to them. um, We were at the New York um, ACOG convention this past fall and talking to those practitioners, you they want to do the right thing for all of their patients and they're so passionate about it. And, you know, they just don't know sometimes all of the things that they don't know about. And, you know, they were asking what resources would be great and what they could hand out to people, but making sure that they just are comfortable with that. So if they're only giving it once in their maybe career, that way they are doing it well that one Mm -hmm. time and following along with that family. Wow. So, so you're kind of, I mean, I, I saw on your site, you're encouraging us to go to our OBGYN and bring the pamphlets and be like, Hey, can we talk about how you gave me this information and what would have helped me? And that's so intimidating. Yeah. The, the way we actually started to was by a feedback program. That was our like first kind of concept that we would have encouraged parents to give that feedback to their doctors. And we quickly realized that that's a really hard thing mm-hmm. for any of us to do, but especially with somebody who may be our ongoing care provider like you might not have another option especially if it didn't go well like some women were like well this was awful but like this is my only option you know because of Mm -hmm. insurance or location or whatever that could be so we've we've just thought about how we can open that dialogue differently to say like hey you know I would love to be a resource for a new family if you get a diagnosis that they want to talk with somebody because some some people want to talk to people the right Right. way Mm -hmm. some you know are like maybe next year we'll see yep. about that but you know just offering yourself as a resource to them and then sharing with them some of that diagnosis guideline information because that's you know not you saying like hey you really did not do well with this <laughs> saying hey did you know about this i didn't even know about it until mm-hmm. now and framing it that way for them i think helps open that dialogue and I, I think good. you'll everybody will be surprised at just how much their care professionals want to do well and Mm -hmm. do that for each of the new patients. Yeah. And you also, you mentioned, uh, just 
that we should be sending the doctors who delivered our babies and our geneticists and all of it, Christmas cards, holiday cards. Um, I love that. Just like so that they have this kind of yearly reminder mm-hmm. that this is, a, this is what a family that has a child with Down syndrome looks like. Yep. Oh, I love good. that idea. That's so practical. That makes me actually want to get my Christmas cards out every year. <laughs> I need that. And you could do Valentine cards. <laughs> you know, some of our parents, it was something that we came up with. And then um, actually we talked with some other people, Stephanie Meredith and Mark Leach, and they're like, well, this other um, geneticist was actually recommending that a couple of years ago. We're like, oh, well, good. Well, we're going to keep pushing their ideas. And there's a great article that they did about how that came to be. And we, we started kind of pushing that out, but, you know, now we have families that are doing, you know, they're also crafty and Pinteresty that, you know, they're doing like <laughs> cute cards for Valentine's or for, you know, world down syndrome day. But, you know, That's the goal is idea. just to keep, like you were saying, keep it in the forefront of their mind. Like, this is what our family looks like. Like we're not sitting around all day going, Oh, sounds like really stinks. Our right. life oh is awful. God. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. yeah. So <laughs> showing them, you know, just another way to show them because mm-hmm. telling people sometimes isn't the most mm-hmm. effective way, but showing them like, this is how awesome our life is every day. Mm-hmm. Now you, you could probably include some of those pictures that show like how awesome every day isn't because right. parenting, that's how it is. Because, but, yeah. you know, yes. yeah, showing them right. that it's real life for you and that it's, you know, you are having a great time with it is always important. Yeah. Good. And showing that these are real children and not abstract ideas. Yeah, absolutely. That's right. Mercedes, you have eight months, eight months before Christmas. So, oh, I was like eight months. I always before Christmas. Are going to tell me I'm pregnant? You guys, no. <laughs> I love eight April months. Fools. <laughs> I know April Fools. These are no. Eight months to what? <laughs> Christmas cards. Live on eight months edge. for Christmas cards. You could do it. I believe in you. Thanks, girl. <laughs> um, okay, so Jen, one more thing. We need to talk about. The Rockin' Mom and Dad Retreats. Oh my goodness, I got to go to my first one. Um, It was so exciting, so fun. I met like 100,000 moms. It's so huge. A minimum. (laughs) A minimum of 100,000 moms all in my same journey and just all wanting to have fun and share their stories and just like be hyper and lovely together. It was just so much fun. Will you tell us more about them, the retreat? Absolutely, absolutely. You know, after we had been connecting, we'd all been primarily online. Some of us were close enough to meet in real life, but most of us not. So we, you know, we're thinking like selfishly, like how do we make this happen? Like, <laughs> yes. How do we make this happen? Now I'm like, I can't believe we're planning this gigantic event just so we can all see our friends once a year, but <laughs> it's totally, it's all for it. totally worth it. Yeah, yes. it's totally worth As it. it um, you know, and it's, it just really is a place for us all just to be together for a weekend and just be able to hang out and see each other and just be in that space. And I know moms tell us all the time, like they get there and they just feel like they get to breathe for a minute and just take a deep breath and just be in their skin and be in their space. And, you know, they don't feel like they have to explain to somebody, you know, when they're feeling this way or that way, if they hear something that weekend or see something, they, you know, it's just a different room to be in with women. Um, yeah. So we started our first one. This will, this year will be our fifth event and it's, just blown out of the water. We are going to have 800 moms this oh year, which how goodness. is that possible? 
<laughs> honestly, I, it's still be honest. So when you said 100,000, that almost makes my stomach hurt. I know. Bit. Then you <laughs> got oh scared. You're like, oh, I my gosh, is there 100,000? This is how I live. Thankfully, you know, we have we have just having moms with kids with Down syndrome, it kind of connects us a little bit smaller than that. But, you know, it just is a space for them to just be for the weekend and hang out, see each other. We started our dad retreat also last year. And so this year will be our second annual dad retreat. We hit the wait list on that also because it's just been so many. So it's it's been incredible to find that space and just knowing that this is what some moms need right now. And some dads need yeah. is just to have that weekend away. And mm-hmm. we do some service projects to help give back to our new families. We have a few speakers. Um, we're really focusing a lot on self care because we know that moms just need that in general. And, mm-hmm. um, with moms of kids of down syndrome, it's just maybe a little bit more because we're thinking about ourselves, maybe just even a little less than a typical mom might, but, um, we have some time for just going out and hanging out and we'll be in Nashville this year. So we're, we're excited Yay. to let moms unleash them into the city there and oh, see what's on. And karaoke. Yeah. Heather, do you remember our karaoke? It was my, it was my most embarrassing karaoke <laughs> moment of my life that I would rather not relive. Pictures of that still. I'll have the to... second, it was like, I, I swear to you. Well, first of all, it was amazing to be there. And I was like, as I said, I've, I just didn't know about DSTN. I don't know how that's possible. But I'd only known two years, and I was just like, what is happening here? It's just so sweet. Um, connecting moms is one of my passions, and I it was beautiful to be a part of it. But then karaoke is one of my favorite things in the whole wide world. <laughs> I've done karaoke with Micah in San Francisco. Oh, yeah. And it we was were an, good. It was an amazing karaoke experience. <laughs> best of we my life. Good. I was just a backup dancer. It was the best of my life. No, you slightly. I don't believe anyway. it. I've karaoke with you out there. <laughs> One time, it was that time. We also it had was a professional. A, it was a terrible crowd. We had the crowd. With the, us. Here's a terrible crowd. Jesus. It was. We're blaming the wait, crowd now, Jen. <laughs> wait, wait, in which one? Our crowd, Micah. Hold on. I think oh. Micah's talking about our oh. crowd. No, oh. our crowd in San was Francisco. amazing. Our, oh, our crowd yes. was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So here's your crowd the, was. We are digressing as far as you can. But we're, <laughs> I'm still gonna. We're doing it. Okay. Mike, I don't know if we'll have karaoke this year now. We'll have to no. see. I don't know what the, the crowd our first time. Don't, we don't broke the time. ice. I think we that's what we never ice. should do again, Heather. <laughs> okay, but here's the thing. <laughs> group a group of like more than three people. It's too many people. It's too many people. And we had five of us and we sang Prince and we and we sang Kiss. <laughs> what's no, is it, it what was, song is it? It it's was Prince. Kiss. Yes. And Liz. Remember and we just went Liz to the falsetto said, and it was like <laughs> It was so, and everyone's just, it, we broke the ice, meaning no one had had drinks. Everyone's no. just staring at us. And I'm not joking. When I got off that stage, people wouldn't make eye contact with me. Oh my God. And I was it's thankful for favorite. that. It was so humiliating. Oh my gosh. I love it. So all that to say, if there is karaoke, a hundred percent, I'm doing it by myself. I know my song. Oh I'm going to redeem. Okay. What? We will find a time and a space yeah. for that to happen regardless. I'm getting like, uh, so sweaty right now. Getting so sweaty. I, you know, I think if you do, if you do it by yourself, Heather, just let me do, I, I'll do the dramatic interpretation. Together. That's really my gift. No, my gift. Uh, do it others. with me. I don't like how I'm being me. the booted out. Mercedes. <laughs> Mercy. You are the one telling me how bad I am at karaoke. You're bad at telling me that. So we'll, we're going to talk about this off the air. 
It's my favorite. There's going to be reconciliation. Oh, so stay tuned. Uh, so show up to Nashville. This is what happens. You come to a rock and mom retreat and memories so are made. Cr- memories. memories are made. That uh, is very, very is true. So 800 moms, is there room at this point? We're not advertising because no one else is no, allowed. We're, we're on a wait list. You know, we planned for it, uh, last year in Phoenix, we had 400. And so we planned for five oh. to 600 this year thinking we would be safe. So, um, wow. yeah, it's just, amazing. yeah, yeah. We're so excited and That's we really just want to offer that to them. So, yeah, cool. we're excited. We'll have links to all that information if you're not signed up. I think bummer for you at this point in life, but, <laughs> <laughs> um, but next year, there's always next year. There's always next year. <laughs> so oh, good. Man. Okay. Well, Jen, we, we love what you're doing and we're so thankful to spend some time with you. Um, we're going to hop away right now to hear from our sponsor. And when we come back, it's our favorite part of the podcast. Good mm-hmm. news. So we're hoping you'll stick around and join us. Sound good? Yeah. All right. All right. We'll be right back. Today's episode is sponsored by Jonas Paul Eyewear, stylish kids' glasses with an impact. Mercedes, you know about style. Your babies are the coolest. You know it. So tell us how cute these glasses are. Listen, it's so hard to find on-trend glasses for kids. These are the cutest kids' glasses out there. Heather's Macy wears them all the time and gets all kinds of positive feedback about her cute, cute glasses. I mean, what's, what is the point of wearing glasses if they don't make you look amazing? 100%. So, Merce, have you ever used a home try-on kit for glasses? No, but it sounds super fun, and it's kind of like you're playing dress-up. Totally. So we have Jonas Paul glasses at my house. This past year, Brooks, my eight-year-old, needed glasses, so we got a home try-on kit from Jonas Paul. And Brooksy is a kid who loves looking good. He legit wore a bow tie all on his own for picture day. So having a kid at home was perfect for him. They sent us seven frames that he had all week to walk around in and make his own opinion. And it was so nice to not have that hurry, we have 10 minutes in a store with fluorescent lights to decide kind of feeling. When he picked out his frame, we put in our order online and shipped the box of trial glasses back with the free shipping label provided. Super easy. Okay, so you have Jonas Paul glasses at your house and so does Heather. Yes, and I asked Heather about Mason's experience with them. We all know that getting glasses to fit on our kids with Down syndrome can be difficult. That flatter nose bridge, the lower set ears, all of that can make getting glasses to fit a challenge. Heather says their nose pads are designed specifically for children's noses. And the best part for Macy is that Jonas Paul glasses all have these unique adjustable tips so you can bend them for a custom fit and the glasses fit Macy's face perfectly. These glasses are also so affordable. Half the price of most of the children's glasses out there. And here's the best part. Every frame sold prevents childhood blindness in the developing world. And for first time customers, Customers, Jonas Paul is offering 15% off. Just use the promo code THELUCKYFEW at checkout. So get yourself over to JonasPaulEyewear.com to learn more. All right, friends, we are back and it is time for that very sweet spot during our podcast where we get to share all of the... Good news happening in our lives. Good news, we're going into falsetto in honor of Prince. 
good news. <laughs> there it is. Good job, guys. <laughs> So this is the portion of our podcast where we invite people to call in and share some good news happening in their lives. We know that a lot of the things that our loved ones with Down syndrome are accomplishing that we get to celebrate in a sweet way that not everybody totally understands. So good news is something as big as, you know, a a toddler or a child saying mama for the first time, which is huge, or surviving heart surgery or spelling a word or any, I mean, there's... I feel like it is every day there are magical moments that are good news that are special to our kiddos. So, Jen, will you share some good news with us? Sure. You know, I think that that's just been the craziest part on this journey is just watching him learn and grow. And mm-hmm. we're at a point now where you can just tell that more wheels are turning mm-hmm. and more things are connecting and his speech is starting to come a little bit more. That's been our biggest struggle on this journey for sure. And but yesterday, it was, like, he starts saying more two word phrases together. And of course, it's got to be like, stop mom or no mom or don't right. mom. But yeah. you know, I, I will take we'll it. We'll celebrate that. We're yeah, getting yeah. there. Yeah. So I'm loving it. I love it. I do, I do love that I've had that conversation with different people in the Down syndrome community where their kid says something so inappropriate or unkind or whatever. And you're like, oh my gosh, that's the best thing I've ever heard. You know, <laughs> such a win. So good. Head on over to the luckyfewpodcast.com where there is a phone number that you call and then you leave your good news for us. And we can't wait to hear from more of you. And thank you so much again, Jen, for being on the show. We're so thankful that you were here. Thank you for all that you're doing um, in standing up and shifting the narrative for our kiddos who have Down syndrome and making this world a more inclusive world. We're so, so thankful. We're leaving feeling inspired and totally fired up to go and do the same. And we're going to write some letters to our doctors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Let's and send some cards coming yeah, so, for you. Uh, we're going to send a card for every holiday this year. Yes. That's right. Oh my gosh. That's so much pressure. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Christmas. We got eight months. I'll just, we're, we're, just ca- we're, we're just sticking with holiday cards. Doing Christmas the best we can. Cards. And Jen, can you tell us where we can find you online? Sure. The best place is our website, www.dsdiagnosisnetwork.org. And then you can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, all of those wonderful places. But the website is the hub where you should go to get connected into all the online groups. Beautiful. And we're going to have links in our show notes for our listeners. Um, so thank you for being here, Jen. And thank you, Jen. a big thanks, as always, to our editor and producer extraordinaire, Andy Laura. Um, Thank you to our amazing intern, Valerie Schleider, to our sponsor, and to all of you out there who've shared the Lucky Few podcast with friends and listened faithfully and cheered us on. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And remember that you, listener out there loving your kid, you are a shouter of worth and a narrative shifter. Keep going. We are cheering you on. And we will see you next Monday on the Lucky Few Podcast. Bye. 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 Thanks for listening to the Lucky Few Podcast. Review our show on Apple Podcasts and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Check out our new home at anchor.fm slash the Lucky Few Pod, where you can support the show for as little as 99 cents a month. Visit Anchor or our website, www.theluckyfewpodcast.com, to begin supporting us today. Follow us on all social media at The Lucky Few Pod. Tell us about your good news by leaving us a voicemail or text at 424-442-9147. Our show is edited and produced by Andy Lara at andylikeswords.com. See you next time, and thanks for listening.